data geek, mathematical whiz, skating to where the puck is going and unique. This is Michael Magnan in a nutshell. Michael is a forward thinker. That is a leader in a space that is in high demand, but it has very little people smart enough to tackle the objective. Data is king, but being able to create actionable insights on the data is what makes data powerful. Michael has that special power of taking data and creating predictive analytics out of it, which powers decisions and creates more personable experiences. He's been with the big guys, taking his power to investment, which was recently acquired by NASDAQ, but then leaving to start his own company, PlanPro, to disrupt the 401k advisor space. Our future decisions will be powered by algorithms created by people like Michael, and we are lucky enough to explore the future with one of the brightest minds that will drive where we go with the abundant amount of data that we have. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Matt. It's a, to be here. It's a little bit different than a Starbucks, I think. Uh, you spend all your days in a Starbucks. Do they charge you rent at all? Uh, no, but but I pay enough in coffee fees. So <laughs> I think everybody's all right with the situation. I'm sure that's still a little bit less than uh, a traditional rent rate. So I think you're still winning. Exactly. Yep. That's why I'm there right now. That is great. Well, yeah. in analytics and algorithms wasn't really your thing for the whole time. Uh, you wanted to be a carpenter before getting your master's degree, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so I, I um, started out doing economics in undergrad, but I always loved working with my hands. Um, so I kind of graduated from undergrad and I was at this inflection point where I needed to decide what I wanted to do. And I thought I had, had to have it all figured out. Um, so I kind of had it in two buckets, either a carpenter, because I loved working with my hands, or to go get a quant finance degree. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching and decided the quant finance degree. Um, and so I kind of do the carpentry on, on the side. What, what, what led you to get to the quant financing over carpentry. I mean, that's like on different ends of the spectrum. I guess you're still using your hands to code and, and write the yeah. algorithms, but what, what yeah. led you to go that way? Uh, some advice from a couple of trusted advisors was really what drove it at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it could have been a coin toss. I could have been not here today and just working in a shop somewhere. Um, but there's a lot of, I think, the underlying skills are very similar within the two, data science and carpentry, in that you're building something, although one's physical and one's you know an algorithm. Um, but there's a lot of logic and process and building that go into both of them. So I think that's kind of the way my, my mind works, essentially. Right, yeah, so it's a special mind. So uh, <laughs> I say that... Um, me, uh, I'm not really handy, and so the only thing that my hands can really do when it comes to carpentry is dial the number to hire someone. That's the only <laughs> thing that they can do uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, yeah. Um, I so uh, carpentry behind us. I think that this is going to be an interesting conversation, and that's something that's like really close to my heart. And I'm passionate mm. about, um, and it's something that I think is starting to spread within the financial advisory space and the wealth sure. management space, which is AI, machine learning, yeah. uh, predictive algorithms, et cetera. And we've had it within the trading environment and the trading right. vertical for a while, yeah. but it's now just starting to find its way into def different areas of our, of our ecosystem. And I think some people are worried about it, but can we, so, and, and help to get everybody on a level playing field. Can you help to explain what is machine learning? Sure, sure. So machine learning, there's a few of these kind of jargon and, and buzzwords that get floated around. Um, really at its core, machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. So maybe let's start with what artificial intelligence is. So artificial intelligence is essentially 
a computer or a machine mimicking human intelligence, right? It's taking its environment and it's uh, reacting to it. It's going after some kind of a goal. Um, and so it's kind of mimicking the way the brain works and that can be very complex or very simple. So a good kind of simple example of artificial intelligence is something like TurboTax, something we're all mm -hmm. familiar with. So TurboTax will take uh, data about yourself from are you married, yes or no? Um, did you make a charitable contribution, yes or no? And it's gonna kind of guide you down your tax path for lack of a better word um, and kind of customize and make decisions and lead you towards your goal of um, submitting your taxes at the optimal um, you know, mm. return, et cetera. And so it's basically, you know, replacing what you otherwise would have gone to a CPA to do or on, on your own. Um, but it's artificial intelligence, right? It's kind of logic that's guiding you down a path towards a goal. So you can have something like that that's really simple. And then you can go to the more interesting area where there's a lot of innovation happening, which is machine learning. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a machine, instead of kind of doing a simple calculation of if then or a series of simple statements like that, it's a computer's ability to learn. It's algorithms that allow a, com a computer or a machine to take data, take situations, and extrapolate that from that to future different situations. Mm -hmm. So a really good, I think it's an important fundamental question, and a good way to explain it is actually looking at a kid's mind. Um, so this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I have a 16-month-year-old daughter. Yes. And as I teach her, I'm kind of understanding how her brain works, which very much mimics the way that machine learning works as well. Um, so, for example, like a few months ago, I started teaching her about all the things in her environment, right? What's a tree? What's a dog? What's a cat? Et cetera. And we started simple. Like all the animals in our neighborhood tended to be dogs. Um, so I pointed out, that's a dog. That's a doggy, right? And she picked it up quickly. But then after that, she kind of, all the data she had was that something that's not a human that's alive is a dog. So she would point to a bird and say doggy or a cat or a squirrel and say doggy, mm -hmm. right? So it was kind of a basic process of the mind starting to understand and make connections and infer. Then, you know, fast forward over the next couple months, I reinforce and say, no, that's a dog, that's actually a cat, and that's a bird. And so she had more data and fast forward to today, she's able to kind of correctly categorize a lot of different animals. And within that, she can look at like a Dalmatian she's never seen before and say, okay, it has a tail, it has four legs, it has a snout, that's a doggy, right? She's never seen a Dalmatian before, but she can accurately categorize that mm. as a dog. Mm. So at a very simplistic level, that's what artificial intelligence is doing. It's taking examples and allowing a computer to apply that to a new situation. That is, that is the most uh, simplistic way I've heard someone explain machine learning or artificial intelligence. So kudos to you. And I think yeah. that that, you know, there's something, I mean, that is the exact way of how we train the computer. I mean, we, we still have to have a human involved hmm. to train the computer, or to train the technology to understand that the difference between a cat and a dog. But once they, once you send enough pictures that way, you're able to yes. let them teach and you're able to fast forward your daughter's learning. You're able to fast forward that into minutes as opposed to months and years potentially right. depending on what you're trying to teach them by just saying, here's a thousand pictures, this is a dog, here's a thousand pictures, this is a cat. Now you can figure out the difference between the two. Right, exactly. Now, mm -hmm. when when you do that, th this is, we're definitely going a little bit off, but I, I'm intrigued by this. So when you're doing like a cat and a dog, let's keep that example. Mm -hmm. when you, and you're going through machine learning, is there tools that you use to help say that this is why it's a dog and this is why it's a cat? Or does the or does the technology yeah. just pick that up on, on its own? Uh, there's, you know, technology is getting sophisticated enough to where there are tools that 
can do that on, our, on their own now for very simple examples. For example, Google has some tools that, if we're using the literal picture example, can um, pull out text, can pull out different animals, um, even people that can recognize, like, is that Abraham Lincoln in a picture? Mm. So you can do that. But really, if you want to have like a domain-specific application, you need to provide it um, the traits that equal a dog, right? Hmm. So does it have four legs? You need to somehow put that into data. That's the key to any machine learning. Everything has to be transferred into data. Somebody's doing it. Mm -hmm. Either Google's gonna do it or you have to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you'll use different pieces of data like that. Um, you know, what is the color of it? You know, which could be a good or bad indicator, but you give it enough variables, enough traits, mm -hmm. um, and it's going to, with enough examples, you know, data is the key to all machine learning and all algorithms. Enough examples, it will be able to apply that to new situations well. And it's a matter of taking all this unstructured data because you're taking a picture and you're taking all this other data and trying to bring it back together to help it understand um, what that means for the outcome that you want. Now. You just talked about how we can how you you related machine learning to training your daughter, which is a scary thing, I think, for a lot of people. <laughs> and I think the question that's on everybody's mind that's listening to this right now is AI going to take over humanity? If you can train a computer to do what your daughter just did, and you can do that in minutes, is it taking over everything? Yeah, it's a it's a good question and um, something I've had some debates about as well. You know, where we are today, where machine learning is today, and artificial intelligence. I'd put it at maybe an adolescent kind of level of intelligence. It, it de totally depends on the application. But computers today are not nowhere close to smart enough to be able to take over to humanity. But the theory being that, you know, computers are getting more and more powerful. Um, we're teaching them to learn, to adapt on their own. So in theory, we could get to a point in some number of years where a machine can do things at a larger scale than humans could ever do. Um, they can do it at a deeper level and they can kind of understand things better than we can as well, potentially. So like, there is that threat. Um, but I think you brought up a good point. That's the core to it all. At the end of the day, a computer or some artificial intelligence application, it needs to be directed on what it's trying to learn mm -hmm. and what its end goal is. And that's always coming from a human. Mm -hmm. But that's also the scary part of this where with, with evil in the world, um, if evil is kind of guiding that artificial intelligence, you can mm -hmm. have very, very negative, bad applications that could be, you know, you know, if, if good doesn't use AI better than um, evil does, that could be something that, you know, has huge impact on the world and a negative impact as well. So it's a scary situation. And I think that that's, I think that that's when, you, when you look at like the comments by Elon Musk and Bill Gates and some of the people that talk about the scariness of AI, I think it's, that's where they're, you know, if you're using it for good, it can be very, very powerful mm -hmm. and it can bring a lot of great to the world. Um, but then you have the bad and that's where it brings into the idea, you know, of regulation, like does regulation solve that? It right. probably it doesn't necessarily solve it for good. But then, what does what would regulation do to the machine learning and artificial intelligent ecosystem if now it's being regulated by you know the federal government? You're right. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't even know what you would regulate quite yeah. right now. You know, but I, I think we're going to see it's something like that. A matter of how it's utilized and and, and yeah, where what mediums and what industries, and so that gets into really kind of the financial advisor world. Hmm. Um, is you know. How can advisors use, well, let's take a step back. Why has machine learning and AI become now, just now, so prevalent in the wealth management, financial advisory, financial services industry? And then I'll, yeah. I'll parlay that into how can advisors use it 
uh, or how are you seeing people and firms and companies build technology to help it be utilized in practice sure. uh, from your standpoint? Yeah, so I think we're at, we're at a really interesting point right now in time with artificial intelligence. Um, you know, AI, machine learning, it's been in our overall industry for a long time, but it's it's really been focused on the investment side. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it's a very quantitative part of the industry. So you have, you know, the training that you need to apply this comes from a quantitative background. So it makes sense that it's there. The second piece is that it's very data-driven on the investment side. There's tons of data available, which is something that you need to have advanced algorithms, right? So that, that's really driven its persistence and its presence there. Today, we have many more tools and the algorithms are much more powerful that you don't necessarily need a huge amount of data in order to be able to achieve some quality level of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the cool things, uh, you know, I'm digging into this a bit with with my company as well is, you know, the, the use of third-party tools that, that mean that you don't need to be an expert um, and understand the models at a deep, deep level in order to apply them. You name the big tech company from a Microsoft to um, Amazon to Google, they have a lot of software development tools that leverage the power of their deep, deep data science teams and algorithms mm-hmm. and allow you to just kind of connect via an API mm-hmm. and you can leverage a lot of what they have. And that's what's driving a lot of entrepreneurship and innovation and in that you no longer need to be some huge firm with tons and tons of unlimited resources to be able to use these advanced techniques. Mm. You need to know your domain, um, have a problem and have you know some tech resources and you can do some really cool and interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think we're at a really interesting inflection point um, you know, to do things today that were really very difficult five years ago. It's a totally different world. And five years from now, it's going to be even more more easy to do a lot of these AI applications. Um, so like in the, in the advisor space, which again is less quantitative, which is the reason why we haven't seen as, as much presence, I think we're starting to see it more so uh, as we see more applications around, um, you know, client engagement, um, you know, understanding, you know, even something like prospecting, right? Understanding what are the characteristics of a good prospect and how can data guide those to you? Because there could be some very nuanced things um, to understanding what are the financial needs of your clients, which could be very complex, right? If someone comes to you and says that they want to, they want help saving for their child's um, college tuition, it's not as simple as that, right? They have their other family situations, their own retirement, among many other things. A lot of data and intelligence needs to be be included to make a proper decision. And so AI is kind of allowing us to make those better decisions given less data and the power of the tools. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. I, I'm going to ask you to, to explain something for advisors in a second, but I think that what's interesting, and that's API. I think we need to, oh, we need yeah. to, we need to let everybody know what an API is. And I think that the ability of these tools to become more commonplace and easier to use is going to create greater adoption. I think people are going to ultimately see the value that they provide a lot better because right now it's just kind of, it's an unknown and it's uncertainty. And so when you start seeing right. more adoption, they will be there. And, and the second thing that I, you know was interesting that you mentioned was about understanding your clients, right? A little bit more. And there's an article that I was reading uh, that was really interesting about how AI can help you to get to know your clients a lot more. Mm. And it's not just a matter of going and asking them questions, but there are yeah. so many data sets out there from AdWords, or how people search, and their, their, and then their social media, what are they posting, right. where are they traveling to. AI is more than just a tool of you know, solving like a math problem, like a complex math problem. It can take all those data pieces yeah. and tell you this, this whole story about your clients that 
they may never tell you that they went to you know, Rosemary Beach last week, but now you know that they like to go to Rosemary Beach. And what can that do for you in terms of servicing your client to say, right. hey, I, great time, or I love Rosemary Beach, and now you have this direct connection. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where the power comes in within the advisory space, like you were mentioning. But get back to a- API. Hmm. What is an API? How does it work? What does it mean? Yeah. Um, so just kind of explain it in, in, as simply as possible. It's essentially a connection you can have with um, another data source via the internet. And so what you can do is you can um, get requests, you can ask for data, and you can send it data. Right. So in, in this application we're talking about with artificial intelligence, if I have some data set that I'm trying to get some insights on, mm-hmm. say I'm trying to categorize cats and dogs, again, to use that simple right. example, or let's use a more domain-specific one. And in, in your example, let's say that we have a lot of social media data on a person, and we're trying to categorize... Um, you know, are they going to be someone who's interested in retirement products or someone who's interested more in saving for their kids' college, mm. right? And so you have 10 different data points. So what you can do is you can use an API to send via the internet the 10 data points to Google or some you know third-party provider. Google will run the model for you on their end. You could even kind of tune the model, et cetera, and it'll, it'll basically spit back to you the result. So instead of you having to manage and, and totally run a complicated and complex algorithm, they're kind of doing a lot of that work for you. Mm-hmm. And then all you need to handle is the application and what you can actually do with those insights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And as you're talking about that, about, you know, uh, are they better? Do they want to do retirement planning or do they want to save for kids college? I mean, that's like the other aspect of where AI becomes powerful is that you can find out that your clients had kids or their grandparents right. or they had grandkids. And what can you do with that? Well, you can spur that to be you know, bringing multiple technologies together, a text message to them just saying congratulations. And all the while, you're just sitting there having another meeting with another client, but now that client, you're having an exponential impact on who you can interact with because of this technology. And that's the good of it, right? That's how right. artificial intelligence can be used for the good. Right, right. I think it's one of the key benefits of it. it. It can give a lot of people scale. It can allow you to do, it kind of, you know, I'm gonna coin the term here, augmented advisor, right? It can kind of mm-hmm. augment your ability to do much more than you can on your own today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And so I guess, you know, you talked about where we've come from five years ago to where we are now, to where we are yeah. gonna be five years down the road. How do you think um, machine learning is going to advance over the next couple of years? And, and how do you think it's going to become more accessible for people? We talked about like the APIs, but still when you think about that and you're sitting in there listening, it's like, well, now I need to go get a developer to code to those APIs to then help me understand it. Where does machine learning go over the next five years? Yeah, sure. So I think that... Uh a lot of the innovation that we're going to see is, is in two areas. One is in the availability of those tools like I spoke to. Um, I think that those are going to get more and more easy to use and more and more um, sophisticated. And then the other aspect is in you know the entrepreneurship and development of tools from the startups or big companies alike, right? Mm-hmm. Because those tools make it so much cheaper as well as easier to do these these larger um, to do these domain specific applications. So, you know, I think we're going to see there's a lot of research in some really deep and sophisticated areas of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And as we see those get more and more robust, essentially more is going to be possible. We're going to be able to get m- more insights from less data. Mm-hmm. And does I guess more is not always better, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, as you were talking, I was trying to think through this. Are we going to hit this like wall where we just have too much and we just, we're kind of like paralysis by analysis where we just have too much and we just don't know what to do with it? 
I think so, and, and and that's where I think in the you know the world we live in today, if something is a valuable idea, it's all about the application. Mm-hmm. It's if if it's of value, it's going to be adopted and it's going to thrive and it's going to be used. And if it's not, it, it'll die off naturally, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that we're going to see there's going to be a lot of new ideas coming out. Um, new applications, and you know, I think that the market will naturally select the ones that are most useful, and and you know, the ones that are least useful just kind of. So we're going to flood the market with all of this information, and then and then the information that's going to make it. It's going to yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. that happens so in that's, everything, that's right? The markets, that's yeah. how it happens. It, it works itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's go data. Let's go data. Right. So we talked about this a little bit. A data is, is king, and I think it's becoming more and more a common thought. Um, but with that being said, what are some of the ways you are seeing data be used to create really extreme value for end users, right? So we've talked about it a little bit, but in your space, from the 401k side, how are you using all of this data that you have at PlanPro uh, to, you know, to create you know, action by your clients that are using PlanPro? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I think data, as, as I mentioned a couple of times, is kind of the key to all of these applications, the more sophisticated ones. Um, and to your point of can we kind of squeeze too much where it stops being valuable to people, mm-hmm. I think 100%. And that's where new data sources are going to be, I think, one of the key points of innovation. Um, so, you know, for example, at PlanPro, what we're doing is using artificial intelligence essentially to collect a really hard-to-get data set. So we're kind of using it to just collect data, not necessarily to give insights even yet. Um we're collecting just the uh, the investment menus for a large number of retirement plans mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, and then we're doing analysis on those and including some very pretty simple AI. Um, one thing we're doing is we're comparing the investment menu and looking at things like fiduciary risk on it, including fees and looking at potential fee savings for it. So it's allowing a retirement advisor to do something literally with the click of a button on a profile and assess the investments within a lineup versus something of taking them, going to the forum, trying to find it, looking up all the funds individually. So it's giving advisors scale in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one kind of piece that we're using um, kind of data for and using AI at the same time. And then the other one is uh, something that sounds really basic, but this just shows how much room there is for growth. Uh, you know, one thing that coming from the uh, institutional side of the business as well as working with advisors, getting good quality contact data is a very tough thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we are crawling public sources to get good contact data on the plans as well so that it's kind of a full circle solution. Mm-hmm. But again, going after a, a new data source that um, is kind of out there, but it's not easily accessible and um, of good quality and trying to make that, bring, bring that to the market essentially. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean you just saved someone hours, days, weeks. I mean, they can go get information on 10 plans in the matter of seconds as right. opposed to going and getting a 5,500 to go figure out all this information and then put it into an Excel spreadsheet and then filtering it and doing all that. You've done exactly. that within 10 minutes. And that's the power of data and that's the power of AI is, like you said, you keep, you, we've said, I think, I don't know what the account is, I'll do account later, but efficiencies and data, right? So the data creates efficiencies if you use it the right way. You have to have right. an end goal of what you want it to do or you're just gonna have tons of data and you're not gonna know what to do with it. Right. And and I think on the artificial intelligence side, so we talked about it a little bit, you can train something to know it's a dog. Mm-hmm. You have Siri and Alexa with these communication tools now and you can train Siri and Alexa to tell me what a dog is. Right. But there's no emotion. Can you train artificial intelligence to be emotional? And if not today, then that's kind of the differentiation between 
artificial intelligence right. and a human. For the sure. moment we get artif- get emotion involved, that becomes a little scary. Right. So is that possible today, and are we going to be able to get there? Sure. Um, it depends on what you mean by possible. It, Anything's quality, possible, right? Yeah, you're right. I, mean. I got you. Yeah. you know, it's possible, but the accuracy with which you can do it is the part where I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, you know, there's something that's kind of one step more basic that's called sentiment analysis, which is a really, really popular thing. You know, is it positive or negative sentiment? That can mm-hmm. be around a person like Donald Trump. It can be around a company um, to make investment decisions on, et cetera. And those algorithms are pretty accurate, but still not that accurate out of the box. You kind of need to train them specifically. Emotion is just one step more complicated um, because it's not, it's really not purely based off of words. Not, not Sentiment isn't necessarily either, right? But think about how many times in your text message conversations you can misunderstand the emotions of the other person. Are mm. they frustrated with me? All the time. You know, are they angry at me? Whatever it might be. My wife and I, all the time. There you go, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, it's based off of the fact that communication is so much more than just the words that you that you speak or that you write down, right? I think it's something like 70% of communication is the non-written or verbal part. It's mm-hmm. the intonation of your voice. It's the, um, the body language that you use. And those are the things that can be difficult to gather via an algorithm. Um, and that's why I think it's challenging today. But we're going to get there 100% because mm-hmm. all those things can be quantified. Your body language, if your face is in a smile or a frown, mm-hmm. you can have a data point that recognizes your face, understands the position of the edges of your mouth, and that's data, right? So we're going to be able to get to the point where we can do emotional kind of identification at a, at a high level. It's going to come. Especially as video becomes more prevalent in our lives, right? And, and we've talked with many people before about marketing and video marketing becoming more of a uh, a commonplace relative to you know long form content or content marketing, and um, and now that you have like the Google Home and the Facebook thing or whatever it is, and that it, it's going to have video, and then right. so the the you know Google Home is going to be able to read your face and understand okay maybe I should be a little bit nicer here or be more aggressive here right. or whatever it may be, so I can see like that happening. Like not too far away. Yeah, it's powerful, but it's also scary with the manipulation that can start to happen. To your point, that is the problem. You know, it's it's interesting time for sure. Um, so I want to um, move into buy sell, my cheesy game that I've created for this podcast. But I want to talk about the misconceptions of AI and machine learning. And we talked about whether AI is going to take over humanity and everything of that nature. But um, I think that because it's still so new that people don't truly understand, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of people that are on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. So um, where do you think that people tend to go wrong when they think about machine learning, predictive algorithms, AI, some of that noise that's out there that's just kind of pushing people in the wrong direction, uh, in the bad direction as opposed to the good? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it's a pretty common thing. Um, and it's just because it's it could be such a technical area that I think people tend to shy away from it because they don't necessarily want to spend the time, you know, their brain power learning it, which I totally get. Um, but I think it comes back to the fact that it, that AI shouldn't be, doesn't need to be scary. Um, and you don't even necessarily need to have a deep understanding for it to be a good application. That's kind of, I think, what the focus should be. The misconception is that you need to have a deep understanding of it in order for it to be useful. I think it's more about the application, Mm -hmm. right? Um, 
there needs to be a certain threshold of quality of, of the technology behind it for sure. But it's really all about is the application of value to you? And if so, you know, a good AI application, honestly, you should not even have to know that it's built on AI, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate goal for I think any AI company is you don't even know that it's not a human or some very robust system that's actually um, doing the the insight for you or making the decision for you, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the key is just, you know, don't focus so much on the fact that it's advanced technology. It might or might not be advanced technology. If it's a viable application um, and it's some form of AI, then that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, is that if you look about technology and the evolution of it, it's exponential. And the things that we thought were so advanced five years ago are now commonplace. Right. And so, you know, if you think it's advanced today, I mean, five years, it's going to become commonplace. Um and I, and I think that that some of the misconceptions or the the kind of the the way that people tend to go wrong with machine learning and such is that they think that they can just go buy a tool or a piece of software mm-hmm. and just be done with it and, it and it should work perfectly. Right. And right. as you've said a lot, the, it, there is there is some continual education and training, and you have to kind of massage and nurture this this living breathing thing almost. Right. And so you can't just expect to implement it and it deliver you ROI right away. It's very true. Yeah, we're not there today. Maybe one day we'll be there that it's smart enough to understand and make those decisions, but not today. I would challenge that because I don't, like, yeah, you think about CRMs, everybody's like, oh, we'll get there one day. But now CRMs, you have to go buy the CRM and then you have to hire the consultant to help you run the CRM. And so... uh, it, that 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 would keep us having jobs if we make sure that it's not just easily just like plug and play. But True. Uh, all right, well, um, I mean, I could talk about machine learning, artificial intelligence all the time, the Terminator era. Um, but let's get into buy sell. So very okay. simple game, cheesy. Like I said, I had to figure out a way of, uh, I had to figure out a way to bring in some financial advisory investment management stuff into this tech innovation type podcast. And Love so it. buy sell is easy. I'm going to give you a statement. You say buy or sell, buy, agree, sell, disagree with, and you can explain why. We can talk about it for a minute and then we'll move on. We got four okay. of them. We'll see if you're a bull or a bear, all right? All right? Uh, right now, things are bearish, but uh, let's see. Buy or sell, and that's in the market, not with you. Buy or sell, more than 75% of companies, big and small, will have a data scientist position on their staff within the next 10 years. Ooh, uh, I hate to say it, but I'm sell on that. Wow. Yeah, I think. I thought that was a definite buy for you. No, no, no. I mean, if you talk, maybe if you look at like combined market cap, maybe 75%. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, data science is 100% in demand. Um, and I've talked to a lot of recruiters about it, and it for sure is a focus of our industry and of every industry, basically. So I think I think we're going to get there to a 70 I don't know if we'll ever get there to a 75%. But I think 75% of companies will be using, in some major form, some technology based off of AI, I would say. Fair. In that amount of that's time. A, that's a sell with a put option, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. Like a, or a, <laughs> you know, a little bit there. All right. A buy or sell. Artificial intelligence will drive more than 50% of the processes within financial advisory firms within the next five years. Hmm. I think I'm a... I'm a... Mm, that's a tough one. I think I'm a sell on that as well. Okay. I'm pessimistic on the timeline. <laughs> I think I think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I think we're still in a phase where it's going to be more early adopters to kind of middle adopters in the next five years. You know, so I think maybe five to ten years where I 100% believe that that's true. Yeah. 100%. I'm, well, I mean, it's the same curve, right? You have the early adopters, and that's like a very small percentage, and then right. it, and then it kind of scales up from there. So that's a uh, that's a fair sell. It's, I think it's an opportunity for advisors, right, to be mm-hmm. able to take take advantage of that opportunity where everybody's not doing it yet to differentiate. Right. Yourself. If you want to be a differentiator, and and I and and I've seen that talking with a lot of smaller advisors. A lot of smaller advisors are more open hmm. to this type of technology relative to the big players because 
they want an edge on everybody else. Right, and uh, it gives them an opportunity, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, buy, buy or sell, machine learning is a tool that every company should look to implement into their firm in some way. Now this, I just teed it up for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a strong, strong, strong buy. Long and short now, term Now, can you buy. explain why? Just give me an explanation of why you think that's a buy. Uh, you know, I think we've, I think we've teed that up pretty well in terms of the uh, the applications. I think within ad- the advisor space specifically, right? There are tools that are going to give advisors more um, more firepower with the same um, resources, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think that's where it's going to be an area that needs to be a focus. Mm-hmm. Agree. On the strategic priority list, that should be near the top, I think, if you want to stay ahead. All right, last one. Um, and I, I changed the timeline a little bit here for this one, so we'll see if you, we can get you into a bullish state. Creating advanced predictive algorithms will be as streamlined as Microsoft Excel formulas in the next seven years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm bullish on that. Wow, um, okay, good. I think it's going to be, again, it's going to be, it's kind of like Alexa, Siri, you know, they kind of got to a similar concept in their own domain, and they started simple with, with simple questions, right? And they're getting more and more sophisticated. I think we're gonna start seeing that with kind of predictive analytics and an Excel type of application. Um, I think Excel or someone else, I think Excel is already starting to get more predictive, mm-hmm. at least with the use of the tool. I don't know if with the actual algorithms and data analytics. analytics. Um, but we'll be there for sure. I think there's gonna be, there's no reason you can't type into a cell, predict what, um, this client wants to buy next based off of column A and B. And there's a model that's intelligent enough behind the scenes to actually Mm. do that for a person. There's no reason that that won't exist in the next few years because the technology and the capability I think is already there. It's just now exposing it to be user-friendly or in in the front end of that. I think so. I love that. That's exciting to me. Uh, all right, so this is the point where I'm going to give you 90 seconds to uh, to give the listeners one item that they can execute on today based on our conversation to help push their firm forward. And I'll, I'll lead with you just a kind of a leading question. You okay. can go this way or you can go another way if you want. Okay. But what is the one way that a firm can utilize machine learning, AI, or bot technology to better their firms right now in this yeah. moment? Sure. Um, so I'm not going to give you know the name of one specific tool or firm or anything. I think I'm going to kind of frame it up uh, for an action that an advisor can take Monday morning or today or whatever the time frame might be. Um, and that's to kind of think through your business, think through your practice, think through your goals, and identify areas where you want more scale in some form. Um, you want to do kind of you want deeper insights, um, or you want to do more with less. Kind of think about those three areas in your practice and identify what those problems might be, and just Google those. Literally, you know, there if there's not a domain-specific solution, there's a good chance that there's some kind of a solution that can help you scale up or get deeper insights that's available in the market today. So just do a little bit of research on Google, and I think you'll you'll find some interesting tools, or at least it'll lead you down a path that can help you better understand that domain um, as a worst-case scenario. Mm-hmm. So just step one, just list it out. List it out, yeah. Start and, and worry about the application, not so much the science behind it, I would say. Yeah, I love that. So let's break down the word artificial intelligence to its roots. Artificial is an adjective and defined as made or produced by human beings rather than occurring naturally, typically as a copy of something natural. Intelligence is a noun and defined as the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. Thus, the straightforward definition of artificial intelligence is making, producing, or copying the natural intelligence of a human. 
training a computer to have the similar intelligence as a human in order to have skills to accomplish particular tasks. With the advancements of artificial intelligence, advisors have an extreme opportunity to leverage technology to relinquish the menial tasks that take up time but add little value. Yes, some of the potential scenarios of artificial intelligence seem scary, and I'm sure many people will abuse the advancements in technology. But over time, we will migrate back to the middle of leveraging the technology to allow us to enhance our relationships with clients and exponentially grow the value we provide them. In a world that is abundant with concerns over fee compression, we should always be looking at ways to deliver greater value and deeper value to each of our clients, while not hurting the relationship side of the business or our ability to continue to grow. Utilizing the advancements in technology like artificial intelligence can scale our abilities as advisors to impact more lives. That's the true goal we have in this industry as advisors, provide more value and impact more lives. Michael, thanks for joining us on Bridging the Gap. Appreciate it. That was a fun conversation. We'll have to bring you back in five years to see if buy or sell work. <laughs> Perfect. And to all the listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Bridging the Gap. You will hear us next week. <laughs>